Hello, lovely Pushback Talks listeners. You're probably wondering, who is this? It's not Leilani, and it's definitely not Frederick. So let me start by introducing myself. My name is Kirsten. I'm on Leilani's team at The Shift, where I work as her communications and marketing manager, and I'm Moonlight as one of the producers here on Pushback Talks. If you've been listening for a while, you know that each year we like to use the summers as an opportunity to revisit our favorite episodes from the season and focus in on our favorite parts of each interview. But this year, we're doing things a little differently. Every week, we'll take a look back at one of our favorite episodes from across all six seasons of Pushback Talks and give you an update on how things have progressed and changed since the episode was first released. In our first season, we were lucky enough to get some time with Chikoko Radio out of Port Harcourt, Nigeria, the unique collective of creatives fighting inequality in the waterfront settlements of the oil-rich Delta Coast. Since we first got to know Chikoko Radio at the end of 2020, the collective has continued to grow tremendously and produce amazing work that envisions a better future for those living in Nigeria's cities. Be sure to check out their presentation from this year's African Infrastructure Futures Conference, a bold reimagining of sustainable, equitable future African societies rooted in existing urban fabric. Chikoko Radio remains an amazing example of the power of community. Let's take a look back at what they were up to in 2020. I'm Frederick Gerton, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. So we are back, Leilani, and I don't know, we've been doing this for, for a long time now. It's like 21st episode, or is it something like that? I think it's the maybe the 22nd episode. Is it? Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. So it's, I mean, and th- this is what we do these days, and then we zoom around the world. To, I'm going to I'm going to talk to audience in Wales tonight who are been watching Push and it happens almost every week we have something upcoming in Antwerp and we're going to talk to 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 people who discuss these issues and and I guess you zoom around a lot also talking to audiences uh, after the film and and so on I have been zooming around in particular in the United States because we've had the release of Push throughout the U.S. So I was in Miami, I've been in Pittsburgh, and very recently I was in, of all places, College Park, Maryland, wow. at the University of Maryland, yeah, with a group of amazing students, really suffering, some of them, some you know student housing problems. But there was a surprise when I was at the University of Maryland, the host... Michael Bodekin, it turns out, is our first, was our first, is our first Patreon. Wow, Michael. I couldn't believe it. Thank you. And I actually saw that he was raising his uh, pledge to like $50 a month. That's like amazing. So amazing. I think Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> and we're actually now, we have 19 Patreons in and that uh, it's a total of $128 a month. It's, I mean, it's, it's more than a cup of coffee. So it's, it's good. Sure. It's good. But we you are, know what? Maybe we could increase to 22, like one new Patreon per episode. <laughs> but we also got the donation from um, Bill Barberg, which is oh, kind yeah. of cool. Thank you very much, Bill. We should talk soon. Yes. Anyway, Leilani, you've been, I mean, you recently in May, just before 
yeah, in the early days of the of the pandemic, mm. you you stepped out, you left your UN hat behind, and you moved on to being the global director of the shift. Mm-hmm. But I, but I mean, we traveled a lot shooting push, and also afterwards we've been talking a lot, and you always talked about your strong experience from your official mission to Nigeria. What was that yeah. struck you so 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 yeah, deeply with was- Nigeria? It was it was for, it was my second last mission I think and, and it was amazing. First of all, uh, every rapporteur wants to go to Nigeria. Why? It is the largest black nation in the world with two hundred million people. I mean, it's huge, but it's also such a complex place, full of gross inequality, like really horrible inequality. I think. And I've, you know, I, my statistics may be a little wrong because it's been some while, but like 70% of the population lives be- below the poverty line. Um, like 60 million people don't have access to safe water. A huge percentage, I think 50% of the population is living in what people call slums or informal settlements. So that's really bad. But and then, then we're talking about Africa's or the world's 29th economy so it's exactly. it's a, it's a rich country a rich country and i remember reading that the number of millionaires uh between 2004 and 2010 something like this had increased by 44% oh. so you have Good half the population living in squalor and then this huge you know huge increase in wealth for some mm. It looks like the pattern of of the world, basically, yeah. but but in Nigeria, in a very in a very extremely graphic uh, way. Yeah. Sad. An o- Sad. oil producing country, twenty ninth largest GDP in the world, and right yeah. beside Austria. You know, so. But I remember you you talked about one of your 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 strongest impressions from Nigeria when you went down to the oil delta, down to Port Harcourt, and and then. Yeah. That the, this radio station was something that you really loved. So I can actually hear some music new. Can, can't you hear some music coming out? I hear something. I hear something. We are the Chikoko Collective. We're a bunch of rappers, mappers, musicians, journalists, filmmakers, and photographers. And Grace is lost. I see you. <laughs> so, here in Chikoko, we've all experienced first eviction, either firsthand or through someone we know and love. We're singing for change. We sing this song to push back the fear of demolition, of bulldozers of bullets and of wounds. Here we go. Because I come from the ghetto, government them come for ghetto. Say me I be human being, I be human being. Because I say I come from the ghetto, see this government them come for ghetto. Say me I be human being. I'll be human being 6 a.m. as I wake up with those 
Job just a little pay. No one really understand what we going through. Tribulations like hard times, but what we gonna do? Now nah, I feel the pain of our mothers. Leaders don't know how life is in the slums. Mama hustle hard, used to fend for the children. And daddy's where's rock rock of flush for the children, flows for the children. We hustle hard just for two square meals. And some days we don't even even get one square meal. Now you're telling us they vic like we don't mean. Tossing us on the streets like we some feel. Oh Lord, things was bad, now it's getting worse. So Moku, in there I can hear why we brought more. Through all the system boost education, the damn crime. Give job with devil scribbles and I do mine. So make the government stop to treat me like slave Cause early in the morning, six o'clock Now they bulldoze our way, they wait for our ghetto They wanna take our home, them they bought the house They don't even care if we're happy or sad oh. 6 a.m. as I wake up, bulldozer uh, I wake up, bulldozer 6 a.m. as I wake up, bulldozer I wake up, bulldozer Houses, I said them go arrest us. Uh, as soon they try to move over, guess what we see in a bulldozer. 6 a.m. in the morning, bulldozer. 6 a.m. in the morning, bulldozer. Yeah. 6 a.m. as I wake up, Housing is a human right. The message to the government don't take me for a militant. Sleeping in a touch house, my people then they suffer. Next time you tell us to vote, we go tell you to fiakwa. Adequate housing, all we need. Sleeping in a room with 10 people next to me. Health wise, it cause communicable disease. Hey, it cause communicable disease. Oh, 6 a.m. as I wake up, bulldozer. Hey. I wake up, bulldozer. 
recorded live for us here at Pushback Talks straight from Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Amazing. Sometimes zooming out is not that bad. It's actually quite cool to zoom (laughs) around the world. That's right. And, and, you know, and and they're singing about, you know, being woken up in 6 a.m. in the morning and then the the bulldozers are outside. And this is the story you've heard, we've heard from all over the world, from Latin America, from Southeast Asia, from, you know, around Africa, but also now from parts around Europe and, and North America. I mean, the, right. the, the violence and the brutalization of our society is like it's, it's getting really close. Yeah. So it, it's an important song coming to us here. But, I, but I'm so happy for the, for the energy that it's comes amazing. out. It's amazing. And it's, it's such a, I mean, I'm singing along and dancing along, and then I'm realizing we're talking about one of the worst violations of human rights. You know, we're singing about one of the worst violations of human rights that is so, I mean, I've met so many families who've been, and households who've been evicted, and it's absolutely devastating. I mean, it's it destroys life and community and spirit, you know, and that's probably the intention. But I also see that this energy coming out and, and the lightness of uh, the music is also really important for us to be able to survive and to be able to exactly. push back. Happy That's for right. Thanks for including push back in your song. That was really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we need to push back. So we are now with Radio Shikoko in Port Harcourt, Ni- Nigeria. And you should check out the Chicoco.fm the, the uh, website. It's extremely cool. There's a lot of stories out there, uh, filmed and music and stuff. So it's you really dive straight into the city of, of Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Michael Ugamedino, you are you, you're the guy we've been talking to from afar. <laughs> <laughs> so can you just yeah. set us? Where are we now? You know. So we are in a city in the creeks, the oil capital of Nigeria a city that was founded for the sole purpose of the extraction of resources. It was the railway terminus for coal coming inland from Enugu and the deep water port to take that coal around the then colonial coast. And then some years later, three years before independence, commercial quantities of oil were struck in 1956. So we're here in the the heart of, of dark cargo. I've been trying to read up a little bit. I saw that your Port Harcourt is one million inhabitants, or at least officially, and then you have it's 50k up from the coast, but by the river, and your your radio station is situated by the river in a like in the harbor slum. What I understand, can you describe this, the streets where where you are where you are? So, 
Port Harcourt, the old city, was built on a plateau. And all around the old city is a tangle of creeks, very dense tangle of creeks. And along the water's edge, people have taken mud called Chicoco mud, black mud from the mangroves, and thrown it down to reclaim land from the water. And up to half a million people live in these dense waterfront settlements all around the city. They're overlooked, unheard, literally overlooked, because for many parts of the city, you can't even see them. And for the most part, they're ignored by the government. And then when they become of interest, usually because of private-public partnerships, we launch into some very intense demolition campaigns. So we're, we're here in the heart of the waterfronts, live and direct. Okay. And Michael, just to make this short, your, your Nigerian accent is like very special. Can you give us a short update about your... <laughs> yeah, my, my Nigerian accent came from my mum, who's, who's British. Um, okay. my, my non-Nigerian accent came from my dad, who's Nigerian. Okay, so nice, nice to be with you. And, you. and you have also brought some other friends to the, to the mics. Uh, I can see three, and I only know that we have IB and Tammy, but there is like a third person too. Grace. Grace also, yes. and Grace. Grace. So nice to have you on, on our talk. So Leilani, what is your, you've been there. I've been there and the, the greeting I received in Chicoco was unbelievable. It was a complete highlight of my trip to Nigeria. So I forget where I'd been before, but it was like hot and a big community meeting and I was running like super late and I arrived in Chicoco to music and dance just like we've had this morning frederick or on the podcast today it was incredible and then we we i heard about this radio station and i said hey we should do like a radio show together and so grace i don't know but grace took me to the radio station and she did this phenomenal interview we had such fun even though i was running super late but we just did it anyway and uh it was amazing and then i got to see chicoco and the vibrant vibrant informal settlement you know our listeners may not know what informal settlements are like but they they can be the height of energy and passion and um orderliness they're like little cities themselves grace uh so you had a UN special rapporteur coming to you. Yes. Have you and you interviewed her? Yes. How have you been able to use the the, the language of Leilani in in your city? Because her message is quite clear. Mm -hmm. Housing is a human right. Um. Yes. Locally, yes. We've done we've done something with her work, and uh, we're also working towards something we'll put up on our platform on the Chikoko website using her work and then do a follow-up as well. So, and you were singing in, in the song here about uh, the forced eviction. Is this something that you've experienced yourself, you uh, friends, Tammy, IB? Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, growing up uh, as a young child, um, I, I grew up, I, I was given birth to in the railway quarters. So it's uptown and um, we're living happily until they came to forcefully evict us. I remember dressed for school and then in, before us were three young men who came in and were asking us to leave. And we were hopeless at that point, but my mom fought hard. Hmm. 
to ensure that we were not evicted as at that day. But then we had to hurriedly look for somewhere. And where else can we go to except for the slum? And so we had to move to the slum. The slum accommodated us. And we became comfortable, so to say, in the slum. And we decided now, that's why for someone like me, I've decided that being part of the slum will make our voice heard. It's not different from what happens up there. Only, the only different thing here is that um, we make life ourselves because we hardly see government presence. I remember I was small. My dad was a lecturer, so we stayed in a government building. So after, he, he taught for years, and when he died, a few months later, they came and told us, they said, you have to leave because the, the, the person who works with us as a government officer is no longer alive, and you're not our staff, so you have to pack out of the house. That happened, and my mom had to, she said she had small savings in her account, so she was looking for a place to pay for her children to enter at least. When her, her younger sister, immediate younger sister came to her and told her there's a place so at Waterside whether you like to buy at least that money you used to pay for house rent uptown you used to, to buy a land and also build. So she came, it was waterlogged but she had to buy, use the Chicoco black mold to fill and reclaim her space and she built a house. That was how I was living there. We've been there for now 29, 29 years. Then some years back we were in the house when they told us government officials are coming with those as they want to come and demolish. My mom shouted, again? Where am I going to go? So she followed the women and the boys to test at Bundu for them not to come too close to uh, our, our waterfront. And that was how we found, later found Michael and came up with Chikoko. The Bundu she's talking about is another waterfront. Right. And people were protesting the planned demolition of their community. And a week earlier, some enumerators had come into the community to mark the houses with red paint, big cross, the opposite of the Passover, right? Mm. And they had driven the enumerators out. And so they came back in a show of force, the JTF, the Joint Task Force, the mobile police, and they opened fire wow. on the protesters. At least one person was killed. We, we think more, but we, we only use the numbers that we have uh, confirmation of. At least one person was killed and 11 seriously injured. When was this? This was 12th of October 2009. Mm. And that was the beginning of this project in many ways because it was just naked. It was stark that people could have their homes bulldozers, bulldozed and be, be shot for protesting it. So we decided to take the government to court to allow people to represent themselves legally and then started exploring different forms of, of representation. Mm -hmm. And that led to the radio, to the cinema, to music. Okay, my name is Ivy Johnson. For my case, it was a threat of demolition, not an actual demolition or eviction. I was born in a waterfront known as a Nepal waterfront. We later moved to another waterfront because that was what my parents could afford at, as at the time. Fast forward to 2000 and, to 2009, I was an undergraduate student at the University of Harcourt when we got a rumor when we got a rumor of demolition of all the waterfronts in River State by the then governor of the state, 
right on the So the fear was there. My dad was not in town. We were all alone. And our house was about to be demolished and all that. So there was this protest. We came down from school, my friends and I. But it was unfortunate because I can't forget that day. My, my, my colleague, my friend was arrested at the undergraduate student of computer science of University of Potakot was arrested that day without being tried. He was sent straight to the prison, just like that. No trial, nothing. Though he was able to get out, but the memory still sticks to my head that we have little or nothing to fight this government when it comes to that. So that built up something in me that I want to have a tool, something that I can fight, but I can push back when the time comes for these things. I think maybe it's just worth clarifying, you know, for people who might be listening in London or Montreal or New York. When we talk about forced evictions here, demolitions, we're talking about soldiers, bulldozers, turning up unannounced early in the morning, late at night, in the pouring torrential rain, and bulldozing houses as people are running to leave them, with total impunity. The, the intensity of the violence is, is overwhelming. It's, it's perhaps difficult for people who haven't witnessed it to imagine. People often think about forced evictions and housing rights as some technical issue to do with urban planning. The house is the first shelter of the imagination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's where you live and, and, and where you dream. And to have the homes of 17,000 people destroyed in a single weekend with no recourse, no alternative provision made. And for that to be unremarkable is the situation that we're in here. And our plan was just to make that remarkable, to, to mark it, to, to speak it, to show it. It's, it's so brutal. And we also know that sometimes uh, the developers use a natural disaster like if storm like the, that what happened in Puerto Rico for example they use that as a way to kick people out it's cynical and and brutal I mean not normally we don't get any news out of Nigeria but suddenly there is a lot of news coming out of Nigeria because your your the police especially a special unit of the police also has been is really criticized and the people are standing up in a way that, that we haven't seen from afar uh, in, in Nigeria right now. So it's, it seems like the situation is quite politicized. Can you give us an update on, on NDSAR's the, the campaign you have ongoing in, in Nigeria right now? The SAS issue or the police issue has been with us. And like Lelani said when she said it, she said that she, she imagined that we turned what should have turned out to be sorrow, sorrowful into something meaningful. We, we had to make ourselves happy. Sometimes, even when we just sit to discuss these issues, we just sit and laugh. But then it has been something with us. Like daily, you go out on the road, and the police officer stops you, and he says, hey, sh turn back. And when you refuse to go back, you are, you are manhandled with so much impunity. And, and you're told, 
I'll deal with you and nothing will happen. And that's how they go away with, they get away with every single act of impunity that has been meted out on ordinary citizens like us. And this NSAS protest is just to show how much, um, I would say, citizens are not able to continue to endure this level of impunity and brutality um, against us, and, and that, which is obviously an abuse of our rights. And so the, the coming out of people in this number is to show that in one voice we can end this. And we saw the end result of, um, from the first few days where the government announced an outright banning of the, of the, uh, the police tactical unit, the SAS. And since then, little, uh, very little change, very little change. But then we're, we're gradually going back to what we have always had with them because they are back on the road mm. with their guns. You don't, here in Nigeria, you don't see the ordinary policeman with a baton like we usually see over there when we watch movies or when we see the news. We, it's, not like, it's not the case here. Here we are, we are we'll say, over-policed and with so much impunity. First of all, I just want to say to um, Ibi, uh, Tammy, and Grace, thank you for telling us your stories because that's... Uh, so important for people to hear the actual stories. And I'm always moved. I've heard many, many stories, and each one moves me each time. So just a huge thanks for sharing. I have been incredibly moved and struck by the young people taking to the streets and not just with this SARS situation, but even the work that you're doing to claim space, to claim human rights, to claim your life, to say, we are alive, we are making music and art and claiming our rights in every way is so inspiring. It's like, it's completely amazing. And I think you should know that you're off there in Nigeria, but there are those of us out here listening and supporting you and just, you know, wanting you to keep go, go, go. <laughs> because Thank it's you. so important. <laughs> For me, I can see a parallel on what's happening in Chile or in Hong Kong or in Beirut, because a lot of people around the world are standing up against corruption and against the the brutality and 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 so that it seems like you are a part of a global movement and for don't forget about black lives matter because there's a very straight very obvious uh, relation to black lives matter so how do you see this leilani i really was thinking about those parallels with black lives matter um and the the relationship between individuals and the state and this brutal violence just it's and and as michael had said it, it's amazing, the impunity, actually. I mean, these are not just like small little violations. These are the, the most egregious violations of human rights. People are losing their lives, their livelihoods, their communities and their homes and breaking up families and causing in incredible emotional trauma. These are egregious violations. And the impunity is so terrible because... We have a system set up, an international human rights system that is supposed to help protect. I mean, we say here, why don't black lives matter in black Africa? Exactly. exactly. That's a good question. Can I, can I even <laughs> say we were having an editorial meeting one of the days and then Michael asked, I hope you're following the Black Lives Matter, the story in the U.S. And, and my response was, I don't see why I should be protesting for an act that took place in the U.S., whereas what situation is happening here and we're not protesting. That was even before the NSAS thing yeah, happened. Exactly. So it's not like we're not supporting the yeah. Black Lives Matter movement up there, but then 
for for us here, we're very dormant in trying to speak up because we're afraid that we'll be silenced. At this stage, with what is happening now, it means that we cannot we cannot be quiet any longer. And our platform is an opportunity for us to keep talking and make our voice heard. The, the truth of the matter is, the trend in the news has always been from those out on top. But now we're changing the narrative by bringing out our stories. And that's why you're hearing more of Nigeria's stories. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. And um, that is one reason why we participated as volunteers in Chikoko, because we want our voice to be heard. They always um, talk news or they always read news about us. But you know when you're here and someone talks about you and you hear about it and... Is this really true? Because I know this thing did not happen. So they always want to to read the news in a way or tell our stories in a way to favor the government and not us. Even when they come to Budos, even when they come, to, they will always say, I gave them six months notice. I gave them one year notice, which they know it's just the lie. And Chikoko has, uh, came to be a platform for us to like let them know that our voice needs to be heard. This is our story. We have the right to tell our story. People need to listen to our story the way it happened and have the first-hand information, not the other way around. That telling of a story is rooted in everyday experience and in data. So there's also a Chikoko Maps team that carry out household surveys. We've got the deepest data sets any part of the city, let alone an informal part of the city. Because without that data, you can't make meaningful development plans. And so giving people the power to put themselves on the map, as well as to give voice to their vision of a city that recognizes them and to put themselves in the picture is really what we're trying to do. This is really inspiring. And, and I, think, I, I think that's also something that is important for me in Leilani, that that inspiration is floating out because the stories we are talking about a lot here is like very harsh stories of evictions of of the big hedge funds buying up our cities it's like it's, it's so brutal and it's so rapid and it's like so it's affecting people in your town but also in my town in sweden and also in your town in canada the pushback that you are a part of is also we need to inspire each other and your the inspiration from from Chicago is I think I think something that should be really traveling out to the world, and much beyond Africa because it's 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 very cool what you're doing. And we will tell everybody to go and and, and, we, and check out your website and to follow your work because it's it's really inspirational. So Chicago is like that bridge between the slum dwellers and the government. Because they do not, most of them don't know what happens here. So Chikoko brought the platform where, where, whereby people can relay their story. Like Michael rightly said, I am a mapper, and because I have been faced with forceful eviction, getting this too, we, we go, we survey this place. Most of those waterfront prior to this time were not included in the map of River State. So they will assume people do not live there. So when we go to those places and map them, get surveys from those places and map them and we give those people, we have what we have, uh, we call the encounter and exchange, like a stakeholders meeting between the Chikoko and the and the community. That is the swarm, swarm, slum dwellers. We give them this to the findings that we get from from their environment that they can now use as a tool 
as a source of information to get things from the government because most of those places lack basic infrastructures like water, like hospitals, like schools. When they get this information, they use it to fight for their right of which the government have denied them for years. And from a recent survey that we did, we found out that we have civil servants which are supposed to be government workers living in these supposed slums because the money they get can't even afford a good housing for them. For instance, just recently, the the minimum wage of Nigeria of a Nigerian worker was raised to thirty thousand naira, which amounts to about seven, about forty seven dollar per month, which is barely enough for anyone to feed. Yet, for people living in this slum, we found out that they spend a whooping sum of eighteen million naira annually just to get drinking water, which is supposed to be part of a basic right. It's expensive to be poor. Mm, yes. yes. So it's very expensive to be poor, especially in River State and Nigeria. Mm. We also read in the news about what happens over there. We don't know how terrible the situation is, particularly for, um, at, it was Frederick who mentioned the thing about um, uh, inequality or brutality. So do you have, is, how terrible is the situation compared to what we have here? Is it? This is something the pandemic has done, mm -hmm. right? Usually, it's Africa that is cast as the, the dark driver of, of disease and disorder. And more and more now, we're seeing stories of poverty, hunger, homelessness in the rich parts of the world. And it's, it's really perturbing to people here it, it really turns things on their head so we're just curious to know what you're what you're seeing there on your streets yeah i mean this is like leilani we've been talking about the uk in the podcast we've been talking about spain we're talking about the us in the in the united states 40 million americans are one rent away from eviction so there's a lot there's a lot of stress people are and it's expensive to be poor also in london or in malmo sweden and in any other country so it's it is a global story yeah yeah well you might like to know or not not like to know after the podcast i will sit at my desk and edit an opinion piece i'm co-authoring about a community here in ottawa canada which is one of the richest cities in canada a community of a hundred houses is going to be completely demolished to make way for public infrastructure. I'm sure you understand this. Um, it's a new subway line or metro line. There were six um, potential ways the line could run. Four went around the community and two went through. And the city council went with, the, with one of the proposals that goes right through the community. It's a low-income community. So, you know, working people who are working but not making a lot of money uh, and uh, racialized. So, I mean, it's happening absolutely everywhere. And, I mean, actively, you know, it's not... It's, it's not a passive thing. It's governments taking these decisions around the world to entrench poverty and make the affluent more affluent. It's, so that's why we keep pushing back. And that's why I draw a huge inspiration from you this morning. Now I'm going to sit down and do a good job on this op-ed. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. 
Because now Leilani is smiling again. <laughs> That's right. You, when we started this podcast, she was like grumbling. Oh, I'm so tired. I haven't been sleeping. Oh, and, but now there is a beautiful it's smile true. on your lips. It's, it's true. beautiful. <laughs> it's a pity that our audience can't see her, but you can hear your voice got some little more. And we've got more music now. for you too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, let, let's music. listen to some more music. <laughs> let's. We, we need some more music, Michael, for, coming from uh, Radio Chicago. <laughs> I'm black and I'm confident. I'm black and I'm confident. Oh, I'm black and I'm confident. What you heard is true, I was raised up in the bush Raised up into lies where there's not too many truths Raised up in a time when the tears don't to juice And pain is the water for the you. What you heard is true, I was raised up in the bush Raised up into lies where there's not too many truths Raised up in a time when the tears don't to juice And pain is the water for the you. But I'm confident now I'm confident now Don't need no compliment Don't need no compliment I'm black and I'm confident now. I'm confident now. Don't need no compliments. Don't need no compliments. Oh, na na na. See, they keep on telling me this, they keep on telling me that. There's something wrong with your track. I'm from a valley high space. No, this shit is bringing me down. Yeah, I lose my self esteem. Oh, wagwan. Chala wagwan. Me, an African girl. This one, a bad one. Wagwan. Chala wagwan. Me, I rock this jungle just like Tarzan. Wagwan. Chala wagwan. Me, an African girl. This one, a bad one. Jagwan. Chala wagwan. Me, I rock this jungle just like Tarzan. What you heard is true. I was raised up in the bush. Raised up into lies where there's not too many truths. Raised up in a time when the tears don't to choose And pain needs a water for the youth What you heard is true I was raised up in the bush Raised up into lies where there's not too many truths Raised up in a time when the tears don't to choose And pain needs a water for the youth But I'm confident now I'm confident now Don't need no compliments Don't need no compliments I'm black and I'm confident now I'm confident now Strange foods and no longer hanging milk bags. You black and you confident. Who could have thought you was would have a black president? I mean, Barack Obama won up the Mandela to seven years in prison. Went on the long walk to freedom for the joints. Eliza McCoy, Philip McWally, Sarah Boone, Mary Brown, or black inventors. I'm black and I'm confident and I'm proud of my skin. The fact that I'm black doesn't make me less of a man. We are born to do great things. I can feel it in my genomes, my cartilage, and my arteries. Born to be black if you were man. God for black if he was man. God for black if he was man. I say the scars on my skin, that's the sign of my struggle. I've been to too many troubles, I've been to too many hurdles. Try to face my whole life is like facing the horror. You know I'm facing the terror, you know I'm facing my problems. So I ain't changing for nothing, I ain't changing my stripe. All the things that I've been through that kept me alive. All the time I had to strive for that, which was mine. My light, I know go give another man to take shine. So on my way up, step up to the dance floor. On my way up, step up, I ain't going slow. On my way up, I know the city goes slow. See the scars on my skin. Yeah, uh, on my way up, step up to the dance floor. On my way up, step up, I ain't going slow. On my way up, I know the city goes slow. See the scars on my skin. Yeah. 
Yeah. What you heard is true. I was raised up in the bush. Raised up into lies where there's not too many truths. Raised up in a time when the teeth turn to juice. And pain needs a water for the youth. What you heard is true. I was raised up in the bush. Raised up into lies where there's not too many truths. Raised up in a time when the teeth turn to juice. And pain needs a water for the youth. But I'm confident now. I'm confident now. Thank you very much. Thank you for being taking part of, of Pushback Talks. And I, I, re, I really hope to come and visit you soon. I really want to go oh, and, and see you girls. all. Our doors are wide open. Open. Yes, <laughs> so Leilani, that, it's so good to see your smile back. You know, I know it's, you're working really hard these days. I'm working really hard, but I feel right in this moment like the luckiest podcaster in the world. I have a great co-host. We have an amazing production team. Thank you, Mikey, Mikey, Mikey. And we were joined by Chikoko FM. I mean, totally cool. Doesn't get better than this, does it? And now we have a challenge. We have to keep podcasting. I guess so. But we need resources. <laughs> we need resources, yeah. So if you, if you like the podcast, you can be a Patreon. You go to patreon.com and you actually say yes i want to support this podcast with like a monthly five dollars two dollars ten dollars you decide and spread the words where right now we have 19 friends out there and you 19 if you listen we love you because it's this is like it's not a joke it's actually for real that in some ways we're doing this with a bleeding knees and it we can't keep doing it forever if we don't get some kind of funding so so please help us and meanwhile also Send us ideas on what to, where to go, who to speak to, and so on. Help us open doors. So thank you. And thank you, Leilani, again. I'm, uh, I hope you have a good day. Thanks, I, Frederick. I, I can soon bike out in the... In, in the, the darkness. Gray. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still some daylight out ah. here, but, you know, up here in Sweden, November, it's, the darkness comes around mm. 4 o'clock. Here, and too, in days, Canada. There's a feeling that uh, the day doesn't even start. So I uh, get me on a plane to Port Harcourt. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for, for now and, and talk soon. Bye. 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 Thanks, everyone. Bye. Stay confident. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To support the podcast, become a patron by going to patreon.com slash pushbacktalks. Follow us on social media at make underscore the shift and at push underscore the film. Or check out our websites, maketheshift.org, pushthefilm.com, or breakingsocialfilm.com. <laughs>